In the church, we have a lot of different names for different seasons of the year. And so about a week and a half ago, we began Lent. And we had Ash Wednesday. And Lent, Lent began as a tradition in the church that God's people celebrated for hundreds of years. And so we continue that today as God's people. And so there's 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter, leading up to Easter, not counting Sundays. And we know that Sundays are kind of mini Easters. And so if you take out the Sundays, it's 40 days. So technically on Sundays, you can splurge and drink your pop or eat your chocolate or whatever you're trying to give up for Lent, as a lot of people do, if you need to. But uh, the 40 days. And so it's this time where we're walking up to the cross. We're approaching the cross. We're approaching the empty tomb. We're, we're getting focused on what our purpose is and we're preparing our hearts for Easter. And so today is kind of like a mini Easter in some sense. And so we're moving towards this time where we're deepening our focus on Christ. And so I'd love to challenge you with that this morning. It's very easy for us to go through Lent and we get so busy. And I know that many of you are busy and you've had crazy weeks. And it's really easy for us to just say, oh, you know what? I forgot it was Lent and I'm supposed to do something, right, uh, with the church. And, and it's very easy for us to just get really busy in that. And so I want to challenge you this morning in that, in this Lenten season, these weeks leading up to Easter, to let go and let God do a good work in you. That I, I, w- I would just pray that our prayer as City Branch, as, as Lutheran Church of Hope, would be, God, I want to know you in ways that I never have before. I don't want to be content with my current understanding of who you are. I really want to dig in. Lent is not just about narrowing our focus. It's about narrowing our focus on Christ so that we can grow, so that we can change, so that we can be transformed. So, as we begin this morning, we're going to look at this text from John. This is our first time in the Gospel of John. So, as we, as we start, I want you to take out your bulletin and flip it over to the back, and there is some place where you can take notes. And I want you to fill up the whole space, but every other chair has a pen. And maybe back in this area, there's not too many, but if the people kind of in these rows, once you're done with this, want to pass it back to the people, or if you have a pen in your purse or something, go ahead and pull that out. Um, just share with the people around you. Not every chair um, has one. But I want you to do is flip over your bulletin, and in that open open space. I want you to, at the very top, not to fill up the whole space, at the very top, I want you to draw your very best rendition of some glasses. Okay? Some glasses. And I understand some of you are artists. We have a lot of artists in the church here. Some of you are not. And so if you're like me and you're not an artist, draw two circles and you can call them contacts. Okay? So draw that at the top of your bulletin there. Just draw a couple circles, get the frames going back. Next to those glasses that you're drawing, or next to your contacts, whatever you have, I want you to write just at the top, because we're going to fill it in a little bit more. I want you to write at the top, what do you see? What do you see? Write that next to your pair of glasses. What do you see? Last week, we looked at the story of, of Jesus looking out over Jerusalem, and we asked the same question, what do you see? We ask the question, what do you see when you look at the city? What do you see when you look at your neighborhood, at your block, at your neighbors? But today I want to ask a similar question and ask, what do you see when you look at this church? And even more importantly, what do you see when you look at the God of this church? What do you see? What's your perception of who the God of this church is? When you look at this church, do you, do you just see what's on the surface? When you walked in this morning, do you, do you just see the coffee and the donuts and the bulletins and the, the chairs sitting here? And, and, and do you just, the music, 
Do you just see all the people here? Do you see what's on the surface? Or do you see a God of this church that's changing lives? Do you see God showing up? Do you expect God to meet you here this morning? What do you see? And so this morning, we're gonna, I'm going to throw it over to Pastor Mike Householder, who's our senior pastor, and he's going to bring us into the Gospel of John and talk a little bit more about this question, what do you see? And so make sure you have your Bibles open to John chapter 1. Mike's going to take us into that, and uh, then we're going to be back up, and we'll take it from there. So Mike's going to give us a few minutes about the Gospel of John and talk about that question, what do you see and what John might have to say as we enter into that scripture. So let's take a look. Well, John, which we started reading this past week and will focus on during the season of Lent in our daily Bible readings that are printed in your bulletin. The Gospel of John is all about the revelation of God, God being revealed to us, and, and God being revealed to us in a, in a very specific way. Uh, God being revealed to us in a way where we begin to see the fullness of the picture of who God is. Some major themes in Excuse me. Some major themes in John's Gospel. One is the dual nature of Jesus Christ. That he is fully human, but also in John's Gospel, he emphasizes the divinity of Jesus Christ. He's also fully God. He isn't just the Son of God, but in a, in a radical kind of statement, John reveals that Jesus is actually God in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, you can read that in the way I read it, which was kind of a dry, sort of boring way, or you can read it the way I think John wrote it. John, uh, in my mind, was a hippie before his time, from the 60s, because he talks a lot in imagery. And so if you use a little bit of a hippie voice, if you will, blended in with a California surfer voice, it goes a little like this. In the beginning, man was the Word. You know what I'm saying? The Word. You with me? In the beginning was the Word. You know, you, you dig the Word. And the Word, the Word was with God. And everything was created through the Word, and nothing was created that didn't come through the Word. Dude. Now, I don't know if that's entirely accurate, actually, but, but it's getting us closer to maybe the mentality of John I think maybe uh, it's not giving him quite enough credit, though, no, with no offense to hippies, those of you who still are, or those of you who were once upon a time, God bless you. But uh, John actually probably is a whole, much, a whole lot more like a literary genius. Inspired by God's Spirit, he weaves together prose in a poetic way. In fact, I believe he's a poet who's writing prose. He, he writes with, with, with such a vivid imagery that he isn't just pouring out information for your head, He's proclaiming God's word and revealing God to you straight for your heart. He, he's, he's painting pictures in the way a great artist would or a sculptor would, would, would form a sculpture. And an artist would use color and, and paint and lines to create an image which, which goes far deeper than words. John uses words, but he uses words and weaves them together in such a way that there's a beauty and an art to it and a poetry to it, but it's written in, in prose. And he does it in a way that, that slowly reveals things. And kind, of, kind of like a, a great radio newsman like Paul Harvey, who just died yesterday and is, is always kind of a favorite of mine, probably because when I was a kid and we were on vacations and if Paul Harvey came on the radio, my dad would say, Shh, Paul Harvey's on. Just for ten minutes, everyone. Shut the lids. 
So we would listen to Paul Harvey. Good day. Page two, Bose Wave radio systems and all the whole thing. I don't know if they were selling Bose Wave radio systems in the 70s, but we would listen to Paul Harvey and, and he would work through and he would, especially when he did the rest of the story, I don't know how many of you have listened to him over the years, but when he would do the rest of the story, he would, he would paint pictures and he would do it in a creative way. And he would, he would talk about somebody famous, you know, like a, 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 a modern day president, let's say Barack Obama or Ronald Reagan. And, but instead of just saying, and so Barack Obama did this or Ronald Reagan did that, he, he'd start, he wouldn't tell you who he was talking about, but he'd start to paint the picture by talking about their childhood or some aspect of, of who they are that you don't know about. And he'd weave that story and he'd build that story and he'd build that story. And then at the end, surprise. It was this person who you've known all along, but you didn't know the rest of the story. Artfully done. Paul Harvey was an artist with his words. Even more so, John, the, the, the gospel writer of this gospel, not inspired by the Holy Spirit to proclaim God's word and to put it in written form in such a way that God reveals himself to us. The word was in the beginning, John says. In fact, he ties that in. What a, what a brilliant beginning point for John. In the beginning, let me connect the dots for you. I'm not just talking about the life story of Jesus Christ here. John is making it clear. I'm connecting the dots between the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, and the beginning of creation. Because how does the first book of the Bible start? In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do that? He spoke it into existence with his words. Let there be light. And there was light, the writer of Genesis says. So now John picks up, in the beginning of his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the word. This powerful, creative, life-giving word, this force. God used words to speak creation into existence. And now John is picking up on that power, that force, the beauty of God's creation, tying God and Jesus together as one. In the beginning was the word. The Greek word for word here is logos. Logos means all sorts of things. It's one of those kind of elusive Greek words that has deep meaning on all sorts of different levels. It's the word that keeps on giving. No surprise to me that John would use it in his first phrase. In the beginning was the word. The Logos, same root word for logic, the understanding, the logic of God, the way God reveals himself to us, the way God speaks to us. In the beginning was this, a God who speaks words and those words create and bring meaning and understanding and logic into this life of ours, into this universe of ours. In the beginning was this Logos, this word, and the word became flesh. Verse 14 says, and dwelt among us. So we start to realize, oh, okay, this word is a person. It's not just words that are written down or words that are spoken out of the mouth of God. This word is a human being. Verse 14, this word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. This word became flesh, full of grace, full of truth, and he was the only begotten son of the Father. Oh, the rest of the story. We're talking about Jesus. We're not just talking about the word, word. 
We're not just talking about logos, logic, understanding, perception, revelation of God. What John is doing in a beautiful, artful way, using words and weaving them together, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is to say, this word is Jesus Christ. The, the understanding and the logic and the revelation of God is only understood through Jesus Christ. In the beginning was this logos, in the beginning was this word. And then John, right away, first verses in the, in the Gospel of John, and this word was with God. Okay, right, Jesus was with God, although that might be a new revelation to you. It wasn't just God creating the universe, it was Jesus with God when God was creating the universe. Jesus didn't just show up in Bethlehem once upon a time, he always has been. In the beginning was this word, and this word was with God, but then John says, well, let's just lay it out there. Radical, massive, new revelation. And the word, the logos, Jesus Christ, was God. Jesus was and is God. John will repeat that. Over and over and over and over again in all sorts of images and words and, 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 and sometimes some very direct ways that Jesus showed up and was and is God. And not only that, John will show that Jesus claimed to be God. So as we're going through the Gospel of John, it's important to ask ourselves that question, what do you see? And so is this God that became flesh, is that the God that you know? Is that the Jesus that you know? Not just that, that book that you're holding in front of you this morning, is that just an old, irrelevant book, or is it the active, living Word of God? Is it the Word that became flesh? Do you know the Word? So let's skip down to verse 14, what Mike was hinting at there. Chapter 1, verse 14. Let's read this together. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, which has always been from the beginning, became flesh. This God became man. And the mystery of what we call the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is now God and man. And as Christians, we believe that Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. Not 50%, 50%, not 25 and 75. 100% human and 100% God. He was with God in the beginning, but he was also a man, a real man who walked the dusty roads of Nazareth. Fully God, fully man. The Word became flesh. What do you see? What do you see when you look at this God? Do you see a God, a God that becomes flesh? Do you see a God that really wants to know you? Do you see a God that really wants to reveal himself to you? A God that became man in the flesh so he could show us what it really means to love and what it really means to live. And so this brings us to our scripture for today that we heard read. The Logos, the Word, is now walking this earth. He, he has a body. He hurts. He cries. He feels. He laughs. He has friends. He has followers now. And he's calling different people to follow him. So let's skip down to verse 43. If you've got your Bibles in front of you there, let's skip down to verse 43. Jesus calls Philip. Follow me, Jesus says. And so Philip goes. And okay, so pause right there. Philip is really excited, okay? This great rabbi, this great teacher is calling Philip 
to follow him. Yes, of course I'm going to follow you. And so Philip, in all his excitement, goes and tell, tells Nathaniel. And you can imagine the scene here. He's just going crazy. And he says, Nathaniel, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. The, the one that, that all the prophets point to, that three-fourths of your Bible that you're holding in front of you today. All of that is about this one guy. We've found him. I can just imagine, Philip is so pumped. It's the greatest day of his life. God shows up and said, follow me. God says, follow me. The Bible is very humorous, if you let it be. And so listen to Nathaniel's response. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I think the Bible's really funny here. We're, we're moving along in this great story, and the Word became flesh, and God became human, and Jesus is coming, and he's calling his disciples, and it sounds so biblical, and it sounds so profound, and it sounds so serious, and Nathaniel's excited, and we're having this divine revelation, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth? What are you talking about? Are you crazy? What are you talking about? And so, in, in, the, in the days, to help you understand this a little bit better, why would Nathaniel react this way. I mean, wouldn't you be excited if God showed up and said, follow me? Well, here's the scoop. In those days, Nazareth, Nazareth was a small town, no, lo- no larger than about 2,000 people. And so it just so happened that Nathaniel is from Cana, which is another small town, which is a little bit farther away. And so you have Cana and you have Nazareth, about four miles apart. That's Nazareth is where Jesus is from. And so some of you that grew up in a small town you kind of know what this is like. And there's always, it seems to be there's always that rival school that lives really close. Anybody from a really small town and you kind of had a rival school, that school that you just couldn't stand and, and you, couldn't even, you couldn't even go to that town because you didn't want to shop at the same grocery store as those people. You don't, I don't want to have to see them. And so for me, growing up in Story City, which is just north of here, our rival town was Jewel. And so the school system was South Hamilton. Duh, South Hamilton. And, and they were our rivals. And I, and I can remember that they had this, I was, I was in a lot of different sports, and they had this bell outside their gym. A bell. They had a bell outside their gym. And whenever they would win, whenever they would beat us, whatever it is, baseball, basketball, football, they would ring the bell. Whoopee, okay? They would ring the bell as if that's like intimidating to us. And I would just hate it. And we would just, we'd be walking out of there just so mad and that, that we lost. And they'd just be ringing this bell and they'd all be dancing around the bell. And so I remember, one year after we'd finally beat them in basketball, we ran out of that locker room as soon as we could. This is at South Hamilton. We ran out of that locker room as soon as we could, and we ran to the bell, and some of us seniors, well, I wasn't there, because I would never have done anything like that, but (laughs) some of my friends were there, and they were just ringing that bell, and we were just ringing it and having a good time, and all these Jewel and South Hamilton people are walking out going, yeah, 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 and Luckily, a fight didn't break out or something like that. But boy, did we ring that bell because it felt really good because they were our rivals. They were so close. Rival towns. Cana, where Nathaniel was from. Nazareth, where Jesus is from. Closer than Story City and Jewel. And they were probably rivals. And so for Nathaniel's response, you can imagine. South Hamilton? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That You're telling me that the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, is from Nazareth? You've got to be kidding me. But I love Philip's response. Doesn't get frustrated. Doesn't doesn't get mad and they don't get in a fight. 
All Philip says is, come and see. Come and see. It's not, well, I, you know, I need to sit down and explain to you why it's important and I need to give you, give you this theological discourse about why you should come and why you should be excited. No. He just says, come and see. And when you think about it, maybe that's what we're called to do as well. Maybe that's what Jesus is, is saying to you this Lenten season. Come and see. What are you seeing right now through those glasses? What current prescription do you have? What do you see? Is it everything that Jesus has for you? Is it the fullness of who God is? Or are you a little bit like Nathaniel was that day and you've put up, pretty much made up your mind that this is who God is going to be? And if God's going to show up in my life, he's going to show up like this. Definitely not from Nazareth. I'll take anybody else, but nobody from Nazareth. Are you like Nathaniel? Have you, have you made up your mind about what God is like and how he might want to reveal himself to you? Are you open to a Messiah from Nazareth? What do you see? What do you see when you look at the God of this church? What do you see when you look at this church? Are you open to God revealing himself as he does in the Gospel of John? Are you open to God revealing himself to you every day? Here, on Sundays, are you open to that? You might ask the question, City Branch? Can anything good come from City Branch? I mean... What are those guys up to over there? They're, is that a gym? El- elementary school gym, right? They probably got basketball hoops that are like six feet tall. City branch? Isn't that, 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 that church over there on 42nd Street, like, they have to bring in their chairs every Sunday? They have, they have trailers? Can anything good? What, what's God up to there? What's going on over there? That is what we have to offer Jesus is what we have to offer. Jesus is who we want people to see. A God that revealed himself as a man who came and died and has this incredible love to share not only for us, but through us as we experience that love. And it's happening. People are always surprised when God actually shows up, when God reveals himself. It's like we didn't expect the God of the universe to change our lives. Surprising. When the word shows up, he does powerful things. And he doesn't want to just give you some nice ideas or inspiration today. He wants to change your life. He wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to give you this brand new perception of who he is. I want to share, uh, just copy down here a few notes that we've received even since we began here as a church. Dear John, I just wanted to let you know how thankful I am to be a part of this community. It may seem like a small thing, but it meant the world to me when my husband and I came back for a second week and we had more than one person remember our names and welcome us back. I can definitely sense the love of God in this place. Surprising. God is... Go ahead and go back to the other side. We're not quite there yet. (laughs) God is showing up. God is showing up through you. You are experiencing the love of God and you're sharing that with others. Dear John, I was so blessed by everyone's prayers last night at small group. It's been a really, really difficult couple months. But just knowing that there are so many people who are willing to take the time to pray for me and believe that God really wanted to heal me, that makes me want to know God more. 
because it's changing me. And it makes me want to grow and it makes me want to serve. Another conversation I, I recently had was, wow, I've been a part of a lot of different ministry groups and studies, but I never knew that community could be like this. I never knew that I'd actually care about the people that I sit next to on Sunday. I never knew that a Christian community could be like this. I never knew that brotherhood could be like this. Surprise! In all these different situations, and we get different letters all the time, it's not Dear John, it's Dear City Branch, God through you. The God who became flesh is moving among us. What do you see when you come here? Do you just see a bunch of people sitting around you? Or do you see a God that really wants to change your life, that really wants to do something powerful in your heart today? Do you see a building here? Do you see a gym with chairs? Or do you see lives that God is changing? It hasn't been and it will never be about us. It's not about us. No matter if we're here or if we're outside or if you're meeting in your homes, wherever you are, it's not about us. It's about the God that's living inside of us. And he wants to make a difference in our lives. It's not about hope. It's not about city branch. It's about the kingdom of God being expanded through us. It's about the surprising one that came from Nazareth. Do you know him? What do you see when you look at him? Do you know him? Because that's when faith gets exciting. That's when this whole Christianity thing gets exciting. Is that's, that's when we become the church. When we let God be who he wants to be through us. Even, even the smallest things can make a big difference. We heard today about our, our mission uh, of the month in, in March. This, this March for the bus. And it reminded me of the difference that we, we've already made in the lives of a lot of these families that are coming to Des Moines. They've only been here for a few months, and, and they are showing us the love of God and inviting us into their homes, and, and they provided us with this wonderful meal. We did this Christmas drive, and we bought them a bunch of presents, but just as much as we gave to them, they gave so much back to us. We've already made a huge difference in the lives of our brothers and sisters that are, the world has come to us here in Des Moines. We received a, I received a letter from one of the staff at Lutheran Services of Iowa who we were talking about earlier. And we did this clothing and household supplies uh, drive a few months ago. It says, Dear City Branch, Dear you, you are the church. Dear City Branch, what a blessing you were to the Bewley and Gopla and Sumser families. They were so great, grateful not only for your gifts, but for your kind smiles and care. So many of these families have spent their lives in places where they were unwanted because of who they are. To come to this cold place in America called Iowa and be engulfed with such kindness and support has helped them feel like they are truly home. Praise God for you. <laughs> Praise God for what he's doing through you. When God, when, when the word becomes flesh and, and, and makes its dwelling among us and comes and lives inside of us, it produces fruit and it changes us. And we realize that we're not just created to exist for ourselves, that we are created to be a blessing for other people. What do you see? What do you see when you look around you today? Just fellow worshipers, brothers and sisters, companions on this adventure that we're on? Can anything good come from City Branch? Absolutely. It's the Jesus 
that wants to live inside of you. It's not us. It's the Jesus that will always point you to. It's what's changing all the small groups that you're in and and your ministry teams as you work together. It's what's changing the lives of people that we impact that will never set foot in a church service. But Jesus has a heart for those people too. It's what's changed Peter and Andrew and Philip and even Nathaniel. Back to our scripture. Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. And it changed their lives. They, they followed Jesus. They, they took him up on his word. They, they took him up on that invitation to follow. Verse 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't see God showing up in that way. But eventually Nathanael decides to come and see and he's approaching Jesus as we heard in our scripture. Jesus says, there is a man of great integrity. And Nathanael responds, well, how do you know that, Jesus? That's incredible. How do, you, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus says, well, I saw you, Nathaniel, when you were sitting under the fig tree. He doesn't say it, but he's God. Of course, he knows him. He knows everything about him. And so Nathaniel finally realizes, has this revelation, realizes who he's talking to, that he encounters the word, he encounters the logos, which we heard Pastor Mike talked about, and everything changed. He said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be... One of your, this is incredible. You know everything about me. I want to follow you. And Jesus replies, Nathaniel, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, but you, you will see greater things than these. And then he added, I tell you the truth. You're going to see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Take out your bulletin again. What do you see? What do you see? Jesus says to Nathaniel, and he says to you and I, you haven't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing. The best is yet to come, Nathaniel. You're all excited because I knew your name. But Nathaniel, you're going to see heaven open up, and heaven has come to earth. I am God. Heaven, the heavens have opened up. Heaven has come to earth, and I am standing here with you. What you, what you used to see, what, that perception that you had, you had a limited understanding of who you thought God was. Nathaniel, open up your eyes. City Branch, open up your eyes to who God wants to be for you this morning. And when we do that, when we open up our eyes and we see the total picture of who God is, say, God, I, I want you to be everything you want to be for me. Not just put you in a little box and, and have you be who I want you to be, but everything that he is. We'll start to see a view of God that is so much bigger and so much different than what it may be right now. It'll be more complete and satisfying. And you're going, to see, you're going to see a God. You're going to see a God as we've seen in the Gospel of John as we'll continue to see in these next week that is full of grace and truth. Go ahead and go to the next slide. That is full of grace and truth who gives us meaning and purpose in our lives which inspires us, which becomes the motivation for us to serve, for us to do mission, for us to reach out into the city, to love, to care, to serve. That's what the church is all about. That's when it starts to get exciting, and that's when we start to grow. And I pray that that's your prayer this morning as we go through Lent. God, I want to grow. I want to develop a prayer life. I want to read Scripture. I want to do this year of the Bible thing. I want to participate in the mission of the month. Not because I should, not because I ought to, but because your love compels me to. Because you've changed my life. I do these things because I get to, not I got to. What's getting in the way of that for you this morning? What's standing in the way of that? Are you willing to put your faith in the revealed word of God? Do you know him? Finally, 
Just in John chapter 1, we, we hear Nathaniel blurt out, you are the Messiah, you, you, you're the Son of God, you're, you're him, you're it, you're the dude, you're the guy, you're the one we've been waiting for. Just in John chapter 1, Jesus is referred to in 10 different titles. Just in John chapter 1, 10 different titles. And they're all true and they're all important, but the question that I want to pose before you this morning as we close is, who is he to you? He's the Word. He's God. He's light. He's Jesus Christ. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Rabbi. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the King of Israel. Who is He to you? And do you know Him? We're going to end with a short video, the audio of a, of a, of a preacher that is much more riled up than I could ever get. I want you to think about, is it just God? Is it just Jesus, or is it the God that I know? Is it the Jesus that I know? So let's take a look at this video. The Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. Your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live 
question is, do you know this king? And that's the whole point of John's gospel as you read through it, is know this God. Let, let this God in the gospel of John reveal himself to you. The one who says to every single one of you today, I love you. I forgive you. And I want to be all those things for you. Do you know him? And even those of us today I know that are, are standing there and, and maybe you've, you've been on this journey for a while, please don't ever say, yeah, I've arrived. I'm there. I know him. I, I think I've got a pretty good grasp on who he is. No, you don't. <laughs> he's indescribable and he's uncontainable. And so this morning, I'm going to have uh, Laura from our prayer team come up and just lead us in some time where we just flecked on the awesomeness of who this God is and everything that you just saw. He just wants to be that for you this morning, whatever you need, whatever that is.